frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. I kick ass for the Lord. Good day, and welcome to Film Church Radio. Uh, this is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. However, it is the first Sunday of the month. So you know what that means, Brandon? What does that mean, Lewis? That means that we get to worship at the altar of another. And this week, we have a returning preacher, our good friend and film aficionado, Zach. Welcome back, Zach. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank Uh, you for being here. um, So I chose this week's film. Uh, I chose uh, the film Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, outside of North America. Uh, This film from 1992 is the third feature film from directed by Peter Jackson, uh, starring Timothy Balm um, as Lionel Cosgrove, Diana, I I never know exactly how to say her last name, uh, Peñalver, I don't know, she plays Paquita, and Elizabeth Moody as Lionel's overbearing mother, Vera. Um, This is a horror comedy. and it's it to me it is just one of the grossest and most funniest films <laughs> ever um it did for many years hold the record for having the most fake blood in any movie um it is silly and it is gory um but it's it's fairly lighthearted in its um in a lot of its uh um uh, scenes and uh, i i think it's actually a horror film that a lot of people who don't necessarily like horror films could actually enjoy. But also horror, horror fans love it because it's gory as hell. And who doesn't like that? Fake blood splattering <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> exactly. And it's a really great film to kick off our horror season um, that we're going to be doing here on Film Church Radio just for the month of October. Um, we are picking horror-related films. Um And Zach was kind enough to pick this one for us. Um, And we're going to talk in depth about the film in just a little bit. And if you listen to the end of the show, you will know that Brandon is going to be picking our next um, film for us to watch. So stick around to the end to find out what we will be watching for next week, our homework. Um, We'd like to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast so far and sending their love for the show. Um, If you're new to the show and enjoying it, subscribe hit the bell, be notified, interact with us on social media. Um, We'd love to hear from everyone that's been listening and kind of what you think of the films that we're watching, what you would suggest that we watch um, in relation to the films we've been watching. If there's anything that we've missed, let us know. We want to see everything. Um, We're across all social media platforms at Film Church Radio. We are also on YouTube where this very show will be uploaded for you all to see our beautiful faces as we talk about Dead Alive. Um, so come over there and tune in and watch us. Um, be great to see you. I mean, we won't see you, but you'll see us. Um, so come over there. Um, we'd also love for you to rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you stream from. Helps other people find the congregation, join us, um, 
and you know yeah just add more people to the things that we're doing which is wonderful normally at this point we would brandon and i would talk about the films that we've been watching other than the film the main feature this week um but as we do have a special guest we're going to mix it up a little bit and zach what we're going to actually do is ask you a few questions about your film going history and get to know you a little bit better as a film watcher um so the first question that I want to ask you, um, where did it all start? What was the film that brought you into the metaphorical film church? Um, well, uh, as a very young child, I was very, I was really into stop motion animation. Yeah. Uh, so um, I don't necessarily know that there was one film, but my earliest kind of um, leanings towards watching movies uh, religiously was going to the video store with my mom um, either every weekend or every other weekend I don't remember and I would just rent these weird stop motion films there's a, a Will Vinton directed a feature film called The Adventures of Mark Twain which is a really bizarre claymation film I love the movies of Henry Selleck like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, mm. James and the Giant Peach um Gumby short films um there's a director from the 40s or 50s uh, named George Powell who made these very very bizarre animated stop motion animated short films called puppetoons that were actually made with uh wooden carved figures rather than clay so they had this incredibly they have this incredibly unique look that I've never seen in anything else so to me I think that that was like the earliest really sense of being like a film churchgoer um, because I would just rent these same videos over and over, like on a rotation. Um, but it wasn't until I was like 13 that I got into like movies, recognizing what, what like, I mean, those were movies too. Those were films, but, uh, I, that I sort of started thinking of myself as a film fan, uh, in my early teens. And that was really just linked to really a lot of like blockbusters, like, uh, stuff like, the Phantom Menace and uh, the Sixth Sense, um, yeah. but my parents were also moviegoers, and they had interests in directors like Robert Altman and the Coen Brothers. So I kind of got a little bit from them, and then that's how I started going. Was I would go with my mom and dad to see these movies that like nobody, none of my other, none of my friends were seeing. So yeah, that's awesome. And what is it that you look for in a film? Like, what is it that excites you about <laughs> cinema? Um. I am uh, like a style first sort of person. I need the film to have a look. It's got to have style visually mm. um, and in auditorially. It's got to look and sound good to me. It's like it's an audio visual medium. So I do like a lot of kind of weird uh, films uh, that are sort of more uh, less story focused and more visual and audio focused um, story even though I fancy myself a writer is like one of my least plot is one of my least important things, but I like mm. character, you know, character is important to me too. So, um, but kind of the first thing I look is I, the movie has to look like something I would enjoy staring at for 90 minutes to two hours or however long it's going to be. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. I like that kind of um, boiling it down to the visuals of it because mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the older I get, the less I care about plots. Oh yeah, and the more I care about just like character and visuals and yeah, you know, 
interesting. I like, I mean, obviously the subject matter is important, but it doesn't <laughs> necessarily need, like, I don't need, you know, the guy getting the girl at the end, kind of your basic everyday, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like what screenwriters tell you or what like film teachers tell you, like, this is what your screenplay should be. This is what your, this yeah. is what a, a movie is. It's like movie can be anything. Oh yeah. Well, and, but on that note, I also still appreciate a sort of like nicely crafted screenplay, which yeah. I actually think the film we're talking about today has lots of setups and payoffs, yeah. um, which, which is like that, uh, a sort of a, I think that's a thing that people sort of obsess over is like, film's got to have setups and payoffs and yeah. sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. <clears throat> but in this, the film we're talking about later, I think it works. I think that it's, um, linked to kind of something we were saying last week, Brandon, about how watching a film once is great, but then watching it multiple times, you really get the payoff. Um, I've been Mm -hmm. reading a biography on Alfred Hitchcock recently, and I've just finished the part about um, Psycho and how when that was released, all the reviewers were like, yeah, the story's okay. It doesn't really grab you. But then after they had seen it multiple times, they were like, yeah, the story's not really that important. Like it's, it's what he's actually doing with the visuals and the characters that's like stands out from the rest. Yeah. And, you know, and I agree with that. That's why I'm trying to go back and watch films multiple times so that I'm not as um, interested in the plot. I already know where it's going. Yeah. There's something else Mm. to see there. Cause you know, I I love a good story. So if I can get that part out of the way, um, the film kind of adds extra layers for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so if you were to go to film heaven, Zach, mm-hmm. what would that look like to you? <laughs> uh, this is where we get to the the very <laughs> church, yeah, the film church adjacent question. Lean heavily on the church stuff, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, That's what we are. It would probably look like a very packed video store. Um, and not a blockbuster, a video <laughs> store that uh, there was a there was a the video store in Austin that that I would go to uh, called I Love Video mm-hmm. that had like you know uh, they had a director wall. So certain directors, if a director had enough movies, they yeah. would get their own section on the director wall. And um, but it was just two stories and massive and just had everything from kids movies to adult films to uh, you know, anything you could think of. Um, and even though uh, when we think about cinema, a lot of times we think of, you know, the, the theater, the theater going experience. I definitely got, uh, I'm of a generation where I got my start into film was really through renting videos and then later DVDs and watching mm-hmm. DVD special features and that sort of thing. So going to a video store and renting just a video store that's got everything would be heaven. Now it would be hell if I'm not able to play the DVDs. <laughs> There's no medium to actually play anything right. in film heaven. Right. You can just look at the boxes. <clears throat> yeah. You can so look at the good. boxes. Yeah. The kind of, are you talking about the kind of video store where they're like, they're stacked up so high. You're not, you can't reach them. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Up yeah. To the roof, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's a ladder that you've got. You've got to ask someone to come and use a little swinging around like Belle to... from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
brilliant i love it that's just gonna um, be lewis's house one day oh yeah i know <laughs> that's, that's where i'm heading you know if i could add a ladder now i'd do it mm-hmm. <laughs> i do have a step stool that i have to use to get to get to the top shelf okay um <laughs> getting there tidbit. yeah exactly one yeah, step a at ladder. a time <laughs> <laughs> um so if you were um, a preacher to a film church other than um dead alive what film would you show that you think would be like is the epitome of film i would probably show boogie nights cool okay <laughs> yeah because um it uh it is uh, a redemption story at its core it's about the ri- someone rising and falling and 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 redeeming themselves and coming back in the end um and it has this very wonderful triumphant ending uh that i love um but i love that whole movie so i could just sit and and i mean that would be my my bible would be we we would have a copy of the screenplay and we'd read along uh you know the the, the as we're watching the, the movie so yeah love it i love it um it's perfect and, for church really yeah yeah there's <laughs> nothing in there that could be you know condemned nothing um, at all <laughs> nothing that a churchgoer has not seen you know? <laughs> <laughs> talking of um church going and and love i guess um what film would you show if you were officiating a wedding zach what film would you say is the best example of love i know this is uh, a curveball throwing it right in um i don't know maybe we'll go with annie hall for that one because nice. it's such an incredibly unconventional mm. uh romantic comedy um it's very easy to just sort of pick um well you know i i i i guess i i might also show city lights which is also an oh, unconventional yeah. oh uh love story mm-hmm. um but has one of those just endings that gets you in tears um but i like if we're talking about showing something at a wedding and sh- something showing something about love i i i like to avoid rom-com cliches if possible mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. and I, I certainly uh you know City Lights existed before cliches. The cliches <laughs> of the rom-com existed. So, mm. uh, and and Annie Hall is it's like a it's a love story about a breakup, which is kind of uh, I don't know. There's something there that yeah. is uh, um, maybe makes you appreciate your love a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. It's oddly uplifting in a way. It's yes, kind of it like it's, it's not whole... an un- it's not an unhappy movie. No. It's the whole, it's better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. Right, yeah. Which is very, I don't. yeah, you don't see it a lot. That's a great right. choice. And um, if I'm officiating a wedding, it's going to be very Jewish. And so we need to have as much <laughs> Jewish representation yeah. as we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, leading into our last question, um, mm-hmm. and this is a biggie. Who would you say, Zach, are your film gods? Who are the ones that are just all-time greats, in your opinion? Um, I don't know. It's very difficult to narrow it down, uh, especially over the years my, as my taste has changed and evolved. There are different filmmakers that I grow interested in, others that I lose interest in, uh, two filmmakers currently working that I've really been watching and re-watching a lot of lately are David Cronenberg and Paul Schrader. Whether or not I consider them film gods, I don't know. But I'll say this: if I had, if I, you know, I don't, I don't know. 
this is, I don't know if I'm, I'm not moving in on another question here. If I say, if, if, if I were in heaven, who would the first film, but I think you asked Jason that or something about Yeah, like, that's so, where the, when okay. we talked to Jason, yeah, the conversation went there, kind of, if you're in heaven, I, who would I, when you I was, be When I was listening for? to that, I, I, I was thinking of it, and I'd say, you know what, though, I would love to sit down and have a drink of whiskey with Ozu, mm-hmm. and maybe then have uh, smoke a cigarette and drink a cup of black coffee with David Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> I think that sitting down for those two, I don't know if you'd call them meals, but um, <laughs> sitting down for those two occasions, I think would be uh, something that I would love to experience. And also, I'm pretty sure two completely different conversations. Oh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, you would not know where that conversation was going for either. No. Of them. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I love asking these questions because it's kind of the things that. I've always wanted to know about you, Zach, personally, just uh-huh. like, who is it that you hold in such high esteem, you know? And I kind of, we get the indication when we talking and stuff, but that's wonderful. So thank you for answering the questions. We appreciate it. Um, of course. Um, so now we're going to move on to our main feature, which is Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive um, from 1992. Um, Zach, do you want to describe the film for us? Sure. I prepared a little introduction about the movie. Perfect. I <laughs> uh, hope I don't sound too much like I'm reading when I uh, read it. <laughs> I may have to cover up your face with this document as I do so. But anyway, okay. Uh, dead Alive um, or Brain Dead, depending on what part of the world uh, you are in or which version you watch. Um, we meet Paquita. Um She's a, she works at a shop and she um, meets a local boy named Lionel, who she believes is her one true love. There will be one romance and it shall last forever. And, uh, but Lionel has a mother problem. He lives under the thumb of his controlling mother, Vera, and everything goes south for Lionel when a bite from a Sumatran rat monkey transforms Vera into a disgusting zombie. Lionel struggles to keep his zombie mother and her growing brood of undead companions a secret until we reach the film's blood-soaked, flaming, Oedipal climax. Perfect. And love does conquer all in this film. (laughs) (laughs) Paquita does get her romance. She sure does. Um, Thank you. I mean, that was wonderful. Painted the picture really well. Yeah, it was like I was reliving it. Um, nice. <laughs> so this was obviously a film that you have seen numerous times. Uh, um, yes. Brandon, was this the first time you watched Dead Alive, Brain Dead? It sure was. Yes. Same Which here. is surprising because I'm a huge uh, Peter Jackson fan and also a fan of zombie movies. So, yeah. It, yeah. Historically, it has been a difficult movie to, to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... What yeah, about my fault? Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen it either. I mean, I was okay. more... I mean, I, I think I've seen... I haven't seen anything pre-Lord of the Rings from Jackson. Oh, okay. Um, which I know is sacrilege, because, Brandon, your fa- one of your favorite films is Heavenly Creatures, right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yes. Heavenly Creatures yeah. is one of my favorite films, and also I love Bad Taste. It's yeah. such a fun, like, first film. Obviously, he did. he did, like, 
he's been making movies since he was a kid, so he did lots of like Super Eight shorts and stuff. But Bad Taste was his first like, you know, feature and like got distribution kind of a thing. Um, and you know, just low budget horror esque yeah. kind of film. Um, and it's incredible. I have a Bad Taste T-shirt that I meant to wear today, but I think it's maybe in storage or something right now, so I couldn't find mm. it. But uh, yeah, I think. I've pretty much watched everything Peter Jackson has made except for I don't think I've seen Meet the Feebles. Um and I haven't seen the documentary he did. Um mm. the war documentary. Yeah. Where, you know, they oh, where they shall like, not grow old. Yeah, mm-hmm. where he restored mm-hmm. the footage and stuff. I haven't seen that. But um everything else pretty much. I mean when I mean, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I grew up watching those. I mean, I was 11 when the first one came out. So I was a diehard fan of of those movies. And then even like when King Kong came out, I loved that movie. Um, yeah. And uh, and also appreciated The Lovely Bones a lot and really liked it a lot. Um, so I've been, I mean, I've been, you know, following the guy a long time. So this yeah. has been one that's been on my list mm-hmm. for a while that I've wanted to watch. Yeah, I mean, I added um, Bad Taste and Heavenly Creatures to my watch list after watching this. Mm-hmm. So, um, that not probably beat the Fables. <laughs> not yet. I think that that was probably the next <laughs> one yeah. after those two. I know that that's got a bit of a checkered. Um, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> Bad Taste to meet the Fables. Um, Zach, how did you come across this film? Where did this kind of make itself known to you? Uh, well, to a certain extent, I actually knew about it for a long while. I was vaguely aware, I was aware of the the video cover for a long time. Because like I said, I would go to the video store when I was a kid and I would actually see, and I'll hold the, my, my DVD copy up for you. That's the, the video cover, um, (laughs) which is sort of a a loose recreation of, uh, oh, you're here. That's good. Sort of a, oh no, it keeps disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, the copy is disappearing. Let's try and hold it the there. Film gods are it, taking it. It's it, not it in is circulation a, it is a, anymore. A woman, oh, goat seeing her mouth with a little skull with eyes inside it. Um, sort of a loose recreation of a scene that does occur later in mm-hmm. the film with the baby and uh, uh, <laughs> Rita, I think is the character's name. Yeah. But but I I actually first saw the film when I was like. Uh, it was after the Fellowship of the Ring had come out, and I used to watch the Independent Film Channel a lot. Um, so I was like fourteen or so, so, and they used to the way they like the IFC when they were actually when IFC actually stood for the Independent Film Channel. Now it doesn't. Uh, they would um, the way they would advertise a movie that was going to be playing is they would basically just show like a minute of the film rather than like an act, a trailer or something. So I first saw the the minute that they were showing to advertise uh, that they were going to be showing this movie. And it was the scene in the park with the baby. <laughs> um, and so I was like, what the, what the hell is this? And, and yeah. in, I, I, I always had a computer in my room. So I would go into my computer and it was like, this was directed by the guy who did Lord of the Rings. So I <laughs> felt like I just had to watch it. Yeah. Um, so this is actually the second Peter Jackson movie I ever saw. 
Wow. And so I watched it on there and I loved it. And uh, lucky enough, I, I was at the time sort of like starting my, my, my uh, journey as a collector of DVDs. So I found it on DVD and got it. The DVD is, has nothing on it but the movie. Even the, the, the disc has like, it's just it. clear. The disc yeah. has no art on it. The disc is <laughs> yeah. just, a, and it's not a reversible disc. It's just plain old disc. So it's just the movie. Um, and it's also been released on Blu-ray, by the way. But the Blu-ray has been out of print for like that. It's, it's basically it's like it's been released on every format, but then just goes out of print, and yeah, now you can't find it. So, but that was my first experience with it. I just fell in love with it. Yeah, I feel like the poster is something that as soon as. You know, I pulled it up before mm-hmm. I watched. I was like, "Yeah, I know that. I know that." You, yeah, it's like you—you know. you've definitely seen it somewhere. Yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty iconic. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always kind of heard about Peter Jackson's like early career mm-hmm. and the just the—I mean, you, you could say cinematic leap from yeah. like these films to the kind of the thriller of Heavenly Creatures to the mm-hmm. just cinematic beauty that is lord of the rings you know um and i always thought that this would be a very homemade you know i just i don't know why i just assumed that these early films would be like feel just homemade but this really doesn't no not at all it feels you know we open on skull island which is you know a great homage to king kong and what was to come um but you can already already tell that they're just having such a blast making this film yeah yes you know and and uh i mean there's visual effects from the get-go i mean the Mm. the uh the airplane when it's in the air is a model you know and there's model model work of the city uh with the trolleys and stuff like that um I was actually thinking you 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 brought up a Hitchcock film a few weeks back the the one that has blackface in it that yeah. had and I I've seen that once and I remember liking a lot of the technique in that movie mm. which included like model work for yeah. like a car chase or something like that right uh, so yeah it, it, this movie does not feel homemade uh, unless you think of using models as homemade but it's uh, it's incredibly epic for what a small film it actually is yeah yeah agreed i mean we so we go from skull island and we come back to um this quaint little town mm-hmm. um and then all hell <laughs> breaks loose due to right. the um is it the rat monkey yes What's the, the, mm-hmm. the sumatran rat monkey which is yeah. st- done through stop motion yes exactly which yeah. is a, a, a fantastic um sequence mm-hmm. within the zoo up until um the rat monkey's demise um <laughs> it was it was great to watch um it's, just it's kind of crazy seeing... to me how like when you watch stop motion you know it's not real yeah yeah just like when yeah. you watch like cgi you know it's not real but stop motion is so fucking freaky mm-hmm. and disturbing yeah. looking you know what i mean like it just adds so much more especially for horror movies so yeah. much more eeriness than mm-hmm. you could ever do with with cgi yeah you know agreed mm-hmm. it, it just gives the the creatures just a, another worldly feel 
Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they're, yeah. they're already kind of different to the surroundings. Whereas CGI is too much effort is made into making them look like they belong. Right. Which, mm-hmm. you know, if we watched Jason and the Argonauts and they were, they looked like they belong there, it would, wouldn't have the same effect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that stop motion really works. And it's, it's tactile. So even though yeah. it doesn't look quote unquote real, you know, uh, y- your your brain still recognizes that, that it's a physical thing, that it's got hair on it or or whatever. Yeah. Where whereas uh, a lot of times CGI, I mean, obviously CGI has gotten a lot better uh, in our in, t- in our lifetime, but um, CGI still oftentimes feels like you're looking at something and just like you know that there's nothing there you know you know that that this was drawn in yeah so yeah i like i appreciate that tactility uh and with the models in this i mean everything it's everything was was essentially real you know in this movie all the visual effects and um uh, i don't know if we'll get into this later or go into it now but you know as i was watching it this time around i was looking at some of the set pieces and thinking like, God, that must have just been such a pain in the ass to like have a, a, a setup for um, like near the end of the movie where the guy is uh, where the one zombie is is basically being sucked. I mean, he's not he's being chopped up by the lawnmower, but it yeah. looks like he's being sucked into it. Mm. And it's like you, you've got to create this setup of a lawnmower that's spraying fake blood and he's lowering down into it. Yeah, and yeah. it's just for that one shot, and uh, yeah. obviously that's that's how movies work. But it's like, it's not just we've got the we've got the one we've got the clean lawnmower prop and the bloody lawnmower prop. It's <laughs> all of these other little pieces for a single moment of how a character gets killed or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, well, even even going back to the beginning when mm-hmm. they leave Skull Island and you yeah. see the plane flying off. And right. they got like the shot of the plane in the sky. Right. I was like, how, how does this look so good? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it's not, I know that this is like a model or something, right. but damn. Like, and that's just, you know, an easy shot for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. and uh, the, uh, I don't know how, uh, if the, now like the model work was done by him, but Richard Taylor, who, did all of the VFX for the Lord of the Rings. He's basically, mm. I think he's like the the head guy at Weta Workshop, I think. Yeah, yeah. He did yeah. a lot of the the effects in this movie too. So Peter Jackson had been working with him all the way as far back as this. Right. Um, so these guys know how to build stuff and make it look uh, good, which also may just be like their era of uh, filmmakers, like that they grew up watching certain kinds of movies, probably on TV, where that is how those effects were done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and also the mag is like the, the horror magazines and stuff. Uh-huh. Would read, I think had, right. also had a huge influence, you know, and the, that, and that go into detail on how to do shit. Right. They'd show you how to, and I, that's how we learned how to make all of the masks and creatures for uh, right, uh, bad taste. Those yeah. were baked in his mother's oven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so this... go ahead. Go ahead, Brennan. No, I was I was just gonna say, like, I, I kind of knew you know, you you were saying, Lewis, like you you kind of expected it to be, you know, a little more like homemade feeling. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I kind of knew what to expect going into it because I have seen pretty much everything else mm-hmm. that Peter Jackson has done, including Bad Taste, which was, um, I don't know how many years before. I know Bad Taste was, took a long time to make. It was released in 87, so it was, I don't know how long it took to make, but roughly the mid-80s to the late 80s, and this yeah. is early 90s. Mm. Yeah, so so I kind of knew that it was going to be, that I was going to love the movie in a lot of ways, um, but it still managed to affect me in the same way I think that anybody going into this movie blind would have been affected by it, because yeah. I got like kind of sick feeling <laughs> yeah like, you know all of those things like um e- even being just like a big horror fan and like a fan of i mean i love evil dead like i've watched those movies so many times and this was like evil dead dialed to like 50 million yeah, yeah. i was going to say there's so many influences in this that you can see from sam raimi and you know other filmmakers of the early to late 80s that were putting out these kind of in more independent horror films i guess mm-hmm. um you can see kind of a lot of those influences and did anyone else get a feeling of john waters while watching this film there's certain parts especially in the house where i was like this is very like the most disgusting people alive you know <laughs> yes. when they're eating the custard yeah and yes. the, the blood squirts into i was like this fit and the i mean the whole church scene looks like mm-hmm. it's right out of you know early Waters. Yeah. So. I, I, I didn't actually, make that connection, but that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I didn't either. But the first, when you said that, the first thing that popped into my head was a detail that I love in this is uh, Lytle's uncle. That mm. Every time he, every new scene with him, he has more uh, like herpes uh, spots <laughs> on his face. Yeah. You know, in the first, the first time you see it, it just has one, but there's more the, the next time he comes over and then the last time with the party he's got like a whole little just sort of collection of herpes uh bumps <laughs> scars whatever yeah doors i guess you'd say um one of the one of the characters where you're like man i really hope that nobody dies unnecessarily but i really hope he dies oh yes uh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i would almost say that having those expectations of it being homemade, like going into the movie mm. with, I don't want to say lowered expectations necessarily, like not in the sense that you thought it was going to be bad, but thinking like, oh, this is going to be schlocky, it's going to be corny, and then it really exceeds all of that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it maybe helps to, to 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 go in with those expectations to help kind of boost, bolster that surprise of how good it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I, I think I was laughing within the first five minutes. Yeah. And kind of gripped from that point on, you know. Yeah. And then I think it was um the point that I was like, okay, this is actually gonna be a lot better than I thought. Um, not that I thought it was gonna be bad at all, but was when he was when the scientist or the zoologist, I'm not quite sure <laughs> what, what he is. Um he he gets bitten. Yeah. three times by the yeah. by the rat monkey and then yeah. you, we see his hand arm and then the axe coming in on his head mm-hmm. and I was like wow this actually looks 
really like it, the the arm isn't a different color to the rest of his right, body. Right. You know, this actually looks real. You know. Yes. Um, which was which was great. So uh, from then on, I knew that anything that was going to happen would be was going to look great, and it does. I mean, all of it, and there's so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a he's a new New Zealand Zoo official, which is okay. why he carries a machine gun. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and I love the um, as you were talking about like the special effects and just the lens that went to mm-hmm. head in the blender. Like, I had that? to rewind the head in the blender. Yeah. I had to like rewind it and be like that. Like when the blood splits, so that's like a yeah. real head. Yeah. And he's that's, like, and that's another know, one. It's around. like, the, yeah. there's obviously another blender that is just for this guy to a prop stick to his head stick out. that yeah. guy's head in. Yeah. Um, the lengths to kind of make this look, and like to, I don't know, get across what they were trying to do is outstanding. Yeah. 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 I think it's really interesting. So I watched uh, a, a short kind of documentary on YouTube um, that was made by like a, a local news crew in New Zealand. Uh, it, I don't know if you guys maybe had a chance to like find anything like that, but it's it, you can find it on YouTube. And it was really interesting watching in the time that it's made, because obviously now New Zealand is... Uh, like the film, the film commission in New Zealand and the filmmaking in New Zealand is a lot bigger, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because of Peter Jackson. And then now also Taika Waititi, who um, obviously got his start in New Zealand and, and is uh, huge now. But it, it's really interesting because at the time that they're making Brain Dead, the commission has reduced their. Uh, their funding has been reduced by 70%. So they're they're basically you know saying like film in New Zealand is not and not important. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and and so you know they're and and Brain Dead is like the big film that's being made in New Zealand at the time that this is happening. Right. So they're like interviewing people on the set and they're interviewing Peter Jackson. And it's just I it's it I don't even know what to think about. It. Like I I have so much I already had a ton of respect for Peter Jackson, but for him to be like in the middle of making one of the goriest grossest movies I've ever seen in my life to be like no this is important and this is <laughs> art and we need we need to be uh supporting filmmakers and um you know they were also like questioning if he was cuz he's the biggest <clears throat> filmmaker or at least the yeah he's the biggest filmmaker in New Zealand even in 1992 you know mm-hmm. he's the one making the most buzz um but you know they're they're asking him you know if if this is going to de-incentivize him to stay in New Zealand or if he's going to end up going to Hollywood or whatever it's just really cool to like watch that and then you know, know the history of what ends up happening after that, that he brings yeah. Yeah. this huge boom to New Zealand of right. filmmaking and, and the awareness of, of New Zealand. Cause they, they're also asking about like, you know, what is New Zealand culture and what is, mm-hmm. you know, what does it mean to be a New Zealander? And, you know, what does this mean to let um, Peter Jackson represent New Zealand and their cult and the culture and and he's making these like they call it uh 
splat stick. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's really, it's really good. Um, uh, and interesting. It, it's, it's still kind of like, it's just mind boggling to like, yeah. to, to watch that guy, uh, fight so hard for for what he's doing and get mm -hmm. people on board i mean obviously yeah. this this was i think like a two a little over two million dollars to make mm -hmm. um and and to just the, the actors that are you know the actors that they interview on set to to sit there and all this makeup and stuff not really knowing <laughs> you know what the yeah. hell kind of movie this is but like this yeah. one lady is just like i just have to trust him you just got to trust him you know and to just to have that much faith in him but also for him to just have that much faith in itself is like it's just crazy and awesome yeah i'm sure inspiring as well right yeah yeah just to you know know that what you're doing is the right thing yeah regardless it's great yeah. yeah i didn't get a chance to watch that but i'm definitely going to try and find it out now yeah i'll i'll seek that out it would have been a great special feature on this yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah Is, well I, um, I i sorry i did find one more like another interview that he did maybe like four years ago and he, mm. he said there's uh there's four films that he's like trying to focus on doing like new yeah big releases of yeah. and this is one of them i think this uh dead uh brain dead slash dead alive um yeah. bad taste heavenly creatures and meet the feebles i think yeah. he's trying to do a re-release mm -hmm. but he's so like uh he he's so detailed in his in the process that it's yeah. like i don't know how long it's going to take <laughs> right well and also he's doing that uh in addition to directing stuff you know, yeah, he exactly. made these two, yeah. the the Beatles documentary and the World War One documentary. I think he was working on these 4K upgrades of those first four movies sort of on the side while he was making those. And yeah. uh, the Beatles documentary in particular, clearly, took, I mean, that's a huge investment of his time mm -hmm. to get yeah. that made. So, yeah. um, and it's, it's, on the one hand, it's hard to get mad at at him for that because yeah he's a director and his tastes are changed you know it's like dead alive brain dead these are these are movies that he made 30 years ago and he's got interests of things that he wants to make now and you can't stop him from doing that you know yeah yeah it's a bit like cameron you know there's been yes. yeah there's so many times that cameron's like hey don't worry there's gonna be a 4k of true lies or there's going to be a 4k of this or that and yeah it never materializes yeah um because he's too busy you know filming four avatar movies back to back so that's right filming just started of the recently yeah of uh yeah. part four insane <laughs> yeah I mean, two and three were shot back to back yeah I'm, I'm very intrigued i mean not to get too off topic but avatar didn't light my world up so i'm oh, intrigued yeah. to see where it's going from here especially with the investment and the you know everything it's going to be crazy so yeah yeah crazy to watch but anyway back to peter jackson yes. <laughs> the person who we are talking about <laughs> um i just 
I mean, like you said, there's so much of this film that just really, really works. And the fact that it never takes itself too seriously. But what I really liked is the fact that the actors don't ever kind of a winking at the camera. You don't ever right. feel like they're in on the joke. Right. Everyone plays it so straight and so like, you know, this is actually happening that it just adds to the comedy. Right. You know, even especially the, Lionel. Uh, yes. Uh, even the goofier characters like mm. Peter Jackson's cameo as the uh, <laughs> the mort- mortician's assistant is just yeah. so silly he's like got mm-hmm. his eyes crossed and he's eating a sandwich covered in formaldehyde <laughs> and green goo and uh <laughs> with his like buck teeth um but it, it none of it ever feels out of place even no. when, and the priest doing kung fu doesn't yeah. feel out of place you know yeah it's just a shame that he goes too early you know i, know. I really thought that we would end with him and lionel back to back drop kicking <laughs> people over banisters and you know and I, I think that that's like maybe one of those moments in the film too that get uh, where I think I become aware of how invested I am in yeah. the in, in the film where when that head lands on his shoulder, I get this little like tightening in my gut, like where I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, I get like yeah. so no, not yeah. him too, and uh, I. I and that's like, I mean, it's a, it's a real emotional experience of, mm. of, of reacting that way. Um, and it, so the, the film kind of, and this is like the brilliance of Jackson is that he fools you, uh, you know, you go into this thinking it's silly or schlocky or whatever, but you get into the characters, you, you develop these feelings for them where you don't want to see the priest turn into a zombie yeah although the priest gets plenty of action after he becomes a zombie so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> randomly <laughs> yes well it's the same with paquita when she gets nibbled you're a bit like oh, oh no. yeah yes you know, is... and it's like a whew, yeah. when it's just yeah. a pair of yeah. teeth stuck yeah. to her <laughs> that was the point that I was like, I don't think anyone's going to get out of this. Uh-huh. You know, like where you kind of, your mindset changes, you know, before yeah. you're like, oh, they'll walk off into the sunset. But I was like, I don't think, I think it's just going to end with them all being attacked, you know, uh-huh. becoming zombies. But um, spoiler, it doesn't. No. We do get a happy ending for Lionel and Paquita. He's finally shrugged off his mother. <laughs> right. And I mean, you definitely don't expect the giant uh mom yeah i don't even know it's yeah. like a yeah. some sort of a dinosaur zombie yeah, yeah that I, i'm telling you dude like this movie fucking <laughs> like to me this is the movie to end all zombie movies like after <laughs> yeah. seeing this movie it's like why would you ever need to make another zombie movie or watch another zombie movie like this goes as far as a zombie movie could ever fucking go and like even down to like he literally thought of every way that a zombie could die or someone could get bit or some kind of gross whatever he did every single thing that he could think of and put it in the movie Mm -hmm. to the point where it was like you know, it, it gets to the point where I'm like, 
okay what like this has got to end like i can't take any more of this (laughs) and then uh you know and then like getting like this sick feeling like oh my god like like i'm getting nauseous like this is so much um but then still managing to like make me laugh out loud yeah in the next second and then it getting to the point with the ending that you're talking about with the mom dinosaur zombie thing and just being like i mean i i don't even know what to say it's just like incredible yeah (laughs) it is i mean and that the shot of the mom godzilla thing falling through the roof Mm-hmm. at first is just it's gonna live with me forever oh yeah um because it's so artificial but so like anatomically correct yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just phenomenal it's just like the great it's like the cherry on top of the cake you know yeah yeah kind of it just finishes it off perfectly and a, a lot of those setups must have been forced perspective too yeah um, yeah with you know jackson's famous for his use of it in the Lord of the Rings, but uh, for a lot of those shots, that's a person in the suit. Um, So, I mean, I I look at them and I can't exactly figure out the geography of how it's for horse perspective, but it must be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, there's a, there's a certain, there's a few things in here that I'm like, how did they pull that off? Yeah. You know, there's the, the 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 party guest that gets pulled through the I think it's the the dumb waiter or the yeah the petition and mm-hmm. he's just got like he's just a skeleton from like the waist yeah. down yeah um which is again another phenomenal kind of visual in the yeah. film um the baby you know mm-hmm. it's obviously when it's running it's um it, it's you know a, a smaller person in a costume right um, but yeah there's I mean, it's great. And did the? Am I right in believing that the the whole park scene was shot after he kind of added it in as a bit of a breather? I mean, that's I, that's oh. what the trivia says. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that it was shot after. I don't think, but um, yeah, it it's just kind of this thing that's there on its own, yeah. like separate from everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, like a little vignette. It, yeah. It says that he they they finished the film under budget which is <laughs> like how <laughs> you know how like every shot is a special effect like a unique thing yeah. that you've got to figure out and get you know figure, figure out the logistics of and get the props and and make it work and then get the film under budget and so he used the the money that they had lever left over to spend two days in the park shooting that scene and then he apparently has said later that it's his favorite scene perfect yeah, yeah. i don't know if it's my favorite scene no it's, but it's... i mean i'm not peter jackson so it's not like <laughs> yeah. it's my baby the baby <laughs> is so fucking disturbing it's like yeah. it looks like you know the yeah. sloth from the goonies but yeah. a baby version and more yeah. terrifying and its laughter is, is, is yeah. disturbing too yeah you just never know where it's going to come from it just keeps disappearing around corners right. and then appearing at people's heads right and like jumping at them and stuff it's just yeah it's crazy and it does that so the baby is the thing that like rips through someone's head yes yeah yeah, yeah. 
which is kind of where the poster, like you were saying yeah, earlier, saying that's where it sort of inspired is. by that. Yeah, that was. I mean, to me, that was the best, but one of the best special effects. Oh yeah, it's uh, wonderful. Uh, because it's <laughs> like it, there's a hidden cut in there somewhere where it's her, the actor, yeah. and her with the the hands, and then somewhere there's a cut to the prosthetic of the head being burst broken open. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's almost like they had a you know like a a round table meeting with the the special effects people and they were like everybody write down every single effect of a zombie doing something yeah. that you mm-hmm. can think of and then they got this list of like 250 things and he was like let's figure out how to do Get every single one because yeah. there's like a zombie's like head getting smashed into a light bulb and then it's like glowing yeah like mm-hmm. what there's the guy that's too forceful with his spoon and he comes out <laughs> the back of his head. <laughs> it's like there's no more ideas. Right. Like, there's well, nothing... uh, I love the continuity between that main stable of zombies uh, where they keep changing in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, the, the uh, but those details stay throughout the whole movie. The, the nurse dies because uh, Vera sticks her fingers like into her cheeks and yeah. breaks her head off. So the whole movie, she's got these finger holes like in her cheeks, and her head is flying back. And mm. Lionel throws something into her head, so that's stuck there the whole movie. <laughs> then she bites off the lips of the priest, so yeah. he's got these exposed teeth through the whole movie. After that, you know, they're, the the they keep dismembering these characters in ways, and then conti- it never loses track. It's like we're gonna find something to do with that. You know, um, yeah. the punk void losing his legs and losing his guts, which becomes another character, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think in that scene that you're talking about where the nurse gets her head knocked mm-hmm. off yeah. practically is yeah. where you can see the touches of someone that is very filmic, kind of like he knows like the, the image he wants to produce because yeah. we get that reverse shot of the nurse kind of coming at Lionel Mm-hmm. And the camera is upside down mm-hmm. as if you are seeing it from the nurse's eyes. Yeah. And it's those little touches that I'm like, that this is like elevating it higher and higher. Yeah. It's kind of, it's really aware of what it's trying to accomplish Yeah, and achieving it every step of the way, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that you guys were were talking about earlier with the the mother, I I just now thought of it or thought of it when you guys were talking about it. Um, you know, Lionel has his mother, and then um, what's the other character's name? Paquita, yeah, has mm-hmm. her mother, right? Oh, I guess her That's father her. is in it. Well, she has say... a father, and the old woman is actually her grandmother. Okay. Okay. I was wondering if there was like some kind of like subtext there about like mothers mm. and absences of fathers, yeah. but I just yeah, I forgot that the father is in it. But he's like a total dick. Right. But I guess yeah. that's everybody in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody but the main two. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, and buried in this, there's a murder mystery. With um with the mother and the mm-hmm. whole, the dad that yeah, drowned. Yeah, yeah. But then oh, yes. he didn't. He was drowned in 
a bathtub. By her. She, like, by she, her, yeah. yeah. Which is just, like, by the time that gets to it, you feel so bloated on the <laughs> zombie stuff that you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, okay, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of the movie sets up everything. Mm. Uh, it sets up, like, Lionel as kind of bumbling. Like, the first thing you see him do is he's in the store and he picks up an apple and like the whole pile of apples collapses. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, he has his, uh, mows the lawn and we get that great shot underneath the lawnmower of the blade. Yeah. And he's at the zoo and he sees the water and he has his little PTSD episode about drowning. <laughs> it's like all that there. Then in the end of the movie comes yeah. back, you know, yeah. as I said, with the payoffs, payoffs, setups and payoffs, Mm. The script uh, is is so just like wonderfully written, and it, it it was apparently written for a very long time. Like they they wrote this film for years before yeah. they actually went into production of it. So uh, they were probably working on the script while they were making um, Bad Taste at some point, and certainly yeah. while they were making Meet the Feebles, they were in the process of writing this. So yeah, it shows yeah just that. You know, it doesn't need another draft. No, right. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So is this your um, favorite Jackson film, then, yeah. Zach, or is this... It, Lord of the Rings are hard to beat, I know that, but... Yeah, it, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do love the, the Lord of the Rings films um, a lot, and uh, his first two Splatter films are... Um, enjoyable um if I, I i guess if if it's anything it's certainly to me it's for me it's on par with the lord of the rings trilogy yeah. in terms of my enjoyment of yeah. it um so yeah it probably is that's awesome that's awesome and i don't think it's a film that i would have necessarily got around to if you hadn't picked it oh. yeah so <laughs> yeah i picked it yeah thank you <laughs> I think um, the thing stopping me has been just like not being sure of what version to watch because like yeah. the version that we watched was the yeah. hour forty three minute yeah. something like that version. Yeah, yeah. the extended. Mm-hmm. So that version of the movie is uh, the original cut of the film. Okay, that's like uh, in here in North America, it's usually referred to as the international version because that's the version that came out in New Zealand. Right. When it was the movie was picked up for US distribution, I don't know who the distributor was, was I think it was someone small, but they basically told Jackson this won't get an R rating, so you have to cut it down. So mm. he created uh, an 85 minute cut that was released in the US in theaters as an R rated cut, which I had assumed that that version kind of never like found a life on video, but there somebody posted it on YouTube. I, uh, so um, I wouldn't, I've never watched that version. I wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was doing that, he realized that there were some, some moments in the film that he felt like he could lose. So he created the, which the, the video that I have, like the, the most widely seen version, I think in the United States is um the it's the unrated cut uh so it's 97 minutes long hour and 37 minutes um and it's the same movie that we watched but there are 
it's just t um, t more tightly edited um, mm -hmm. because it's uh, what is this like a six or seven minutes shorter. And a lot of it is um, because the I'm, I'm most familiar with the 97 minute version. So watching the, the longer one, there were moments where I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't in the, the movie that I saw. It's like the opening scene, the, the New Zealand zoo official says a few extra lines that get mm. cut out. Yeah. Um, they cut when, uh, when Paquita's on her date with um, Roger and mm. she slips away from him and goes to Lionel's house where th they show some partying scenes in this version before we see her walk in. And I think it just cuts to her walking into the party. They sort of skip some of the extra party stuff in there. Um, it, very little of the scenes that got cut were gore scenes. So it's yeah. not, it, it was not, the 97 minute version is not designed to make the film safer for audiences. It's just Jackson felt like mm, this scene Control. could go by. Yeah, th yeah this this th 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 this could be uh, paced better. So mm -hmm. um, that that's the version I'm most familiar with. I I've always wondered what he'll release when he releases this yeah. on 4K. If it's if this version's not going to see the light of day, I've heard that he prefers that one though. That he he made it after the fact, realizing oh this, this, I could clean this movie up a little bit so yeah. um i'm not sure what's going to happen when it finally gets a nice physical media release yeah yeah it would be great to get the different the um differing mm -hmm. cuts kind of yeah. on a disc you know yeah. disc two is i don't know the theatrical cut mm -hmm. and the unrated cut right. or whatever you know so yeah i mean fingers crossed we get to see them all because um it is interesting to see just what directors leave in and what they yeah. opt to take out you know mm -hmm. yeah um, especially when it's a film like this i'm like just give us more <laughs> just you know yeah pile it on i don't care <laughs> <laughs> more gore yeah yeah i mean well, it's, it's it the difference is it's basically pacing yeah. yeah 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 which i'm sure if you've seen that like you yourself zach have seen this so many times you know that the pacing kind of does work better yeah yeah yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't mentioned that this is the the quote unquote goriest film ever made. Right. Um, apparently, it has got the most use of fake blood in up, any film up until 2013. Uh, and that it was, was surpassed by the Evil Dead remake. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Wow. Doesn't that rain blood at one? Yeah. There's the like yeah. the whole like soundstage is just like they've got one of those rain machines with just blood coming out of it and yeah the climax of that films but this this movie had the had the record for all that time you know from yeah. the time it came out till 20 uh, years 21 yeah. years yeah and it is a lot of blood i mean the lawnmower scene it is yeah spraying and they still make out i'm like what are you doing stop oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's a like just, there's a no. great moment where she the the little uh, intestinal creature has the <laughs> has the the am, amulet and she yeah. rips it from him and she puts it around his neck and she gives him a kiss and then she steps away and there's this long string of goo <laughs> that you can see. Yeah. Everything's got to be gross. Yeah, it, it but, is it. But 
still, I think the only moment that gets me, like, makes me go, is uh, when Lionel unwraps his mother's womb, wound. Oh, uh, nice. Almost said womb, which that's the end. That's the end of the movie. Freudian slip. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but he unwraps her wound, and he's like patting it with a cotton ball, and it's like squishing. And, and yeah. that's the only part that makes me go. Ugh. I wish I wasn't eating something right now. Yeah, for me, it's the blood in or the pus in the custard. Oh yeah. Well, uh, when that happens, I was like, I could, like I had to look away. I was like, I can't watch him. <laughs> spoon this into his mouth I'll, I'll tell you actually one of the grossest parts is in for me is in that scene it has nothing to do with gore it's when it's when lionel uh starts shoveling his beans onto the other lady's plate yeah. uh because i've got a thing about like <laughs> like if you've taken a bite of something and you're like here have some i'm not taking it but if you've taken yeah. a bite i'm not taking a bite i'm not sharing a straw sharing silverware <laughs> like his those beans have touched his fork, which has been in his mouth. They belong on his plate, not on hers. I love that that's the grossest thing. Yeah. The whole yeah. Movie. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know. I love this movie made gore. Uh, I like gore in movies. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it does take, uh, it, it is interesting. That's it's usually like the weirdest or simplest things that actually kind of gross me out in a movie like this. Um, uh, but it, it makes gore look so fun to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I kind of want to get splashed with that, <laughs> that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's the way the limbs are kind of, I don't know, like choreographed yeah. as well. Because when the lawnmower mm-hmm. is going, you can see like arms fly out and yeah. like parts of legs and stuff. It's yeah. just, it's very well done you know to make yeah. it look like they're all really plowing through people yes. i love that reverse shot of when he gets through and turns around and he's literally just taken like a line of people out. Yeah. he's not even close <laughs> to taking them all out. yeah <laughs> it's so good oh dear yeah i mean so, for like I, I don't know what the history of these these actors uh careers were at the time but i mean they they sold it you know yeah uh, uh timothy balm is that how you say his mm-hmm. name yeah. is yeah he's great i forget there was somebody he reminded me of that i was going to mention but i can't i can't think of who it was now um but yeah he's amazing all everybody's amazing in the film yeah he's uh i think he's mostly a tv actor in new zealand um like i think he was like a star of a soap opera there yeah mm-hmm. um and um uh diana Peniel there. Um, uh, I think everything else she did was in Spain. All of her other mm. acting work was in Spain. Yeah. yeah. And everyone else is just, uh, I think they're just um, locals, stalwarts of yeah. New Zealand, like theater and television and stuff. Um, yeah. Some of them have appeared in other Jackson films. Uh, Vera, the mother, who's Elizabeth Moody, mm. she plays. One of the Sackville Bagginses in the extended oh. edition of the Fellowship of the Rings. Nice. Uh, at Bilbo's awesome. party. She's sniffing him out to try and get his money. <laughs> oh. And, and uh, yeah. Um, Roger, the guy who plays Roger, <laughs> the, lo- the love rival, he's Isildur from, what? from the oh. prologue. Yeah. No. Wow. Something Sinclair. Uh, oh, 
Let's see, what is his name? Harry Sinclair. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna have to go back and watch this again. Yeah, that is him. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um and then Stuart Devin Devini. Is that how you say it? Stuart Devini that played Father McGruber or McGruder. Um was probably probably Davini. I don't Davini. know. Davini. Yeah. Mm. He was obviously one of the highlights of the film. Incredible. Oh yeah. yeah. Reminded me of he he was like Draco Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess Looking, I can see him. Yeah. <laughs> Got that stark white hair. Yeah, he's yeah. he he I love the way he delivers just about every line too. It says when he's like Says something like, "Then if Blydell doesn't show up, um, I'll deliver his mother to the arms of the Lord in his absence." <laughs> yeah, it really. He sounds very theatrical and says it in a way that just it sounds like this is how this guy talks. Yeah, yeah. I I got a lot of you know if you've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, Taika Waititi's film, when he yeah. plays the vicar. Oh, does he? It it oh, was okay. like. Like Taika does, you could see that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like he's playing this character again. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same kind of delivery and cadence mm-hmm. to his voice and stuff. Um, you know, maybe just New Zealand filmmakers were on my mind, but you know, the that definitely jumped to the forefront. Um, well, I mean, Taika is definitely a fan of Peter Jackson. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they, and who they... isn't? Yeah, I mean they know each right. other and stuff. I mean they the during COVID when people were doing like Zoom reunions and stuff, they did yeah. a Lord of the Rings Zoom reunion, mm-hmm. and I think Taika Waititi was like the host. Oh, um, awesome! Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. But, also, cool. Some Lord of the Rings, at least one Lord of the Rings filming location, the Skull mm-hmm. Island at the beginning is like the it's like the passage in return of the king where they find the the army of the the dead ghost army yeah yeah i would love to see the kind of the um the reveal of the natives compared to the reveal of the natives in king kong oh yeah because i can remember that scared the heck out of me when i first saw it because they are terrifying it's like they're crawling out of the walls right they're like inhuman in that yeah yeah so and i was like look how far he's come (laughs) (laughs) and i was like wow yeah Yeah. and a cameo from uh forrest j ackerman Uh, brandon earlier you were mentioning the monster magazines forrest j ackerman was like the founder of the monster magazines Oh, okay. Uh, like he he did a magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland, and I think most magazines that kind of came after that were just yeah. kind of knocking off his work. Mm. And so he is this kind of revered figure among horror directors and directors who do monster movies, whatever. Yeah. Um, because he like wrote the whole magazine himself. I think like every issue he just wow. did, did it all himself. And uh, he has a cameo in the zoo. I. I want to say he's reading a copy of his magazine, okay. but I also, I think nice. he's also, there's a, there's a part when like after uh, Vera kills the rat monkey and everyone's reacting to it, 
Uh, yeah, I think he's yeah. the guy who takes the picture. He's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love that part, dude. Like that, yeah. that you just, I, I forgot about it, but that was such a small detail. Yes. Where it's just like, <laughs> thrown and then, in there like yeah Ew, and then takes a picture yeah and and yeah, just a, such a great comment on like like i don't know the world we live in still yeah. you know yeah <laughs> yeah I, th- I think that every not every extra but a lot of the extras and every supporting character in this film is very very memorable which is mm-hmm. also something to admire because there are plenty of movies that filmmakers that don't necessarily yeah. think that they need to create memorable characters for the shopkeeper or whatever you know and and uh, Paquita's father with his one scene it's like who who cares about love what about money you know stuff like that it's like all these characters are to me at least just very very memorable Mm. even if they're only in the movie for a, a minute yeah it's 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 very cartoony in a way like everybody is kind of a a a, hmm, I don't it's like know how to say it. Like a, yeah, a dialed-up version of yeah. a real person. Yeah, you know, yeah. but they are. Yeah, they are memorable. You kind of come away being like, "Oh, that woman," and you know, that person. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think one of my one of my dreams, if I ever go on to make a film, is to cast Timothy Baum and uh, Diana Penelvere as a couple. Yeah. A something something small whatever it doesn't yeah. matter uh i just watched uh, a movie called valley girl from the 80s with nicholas mm. cage and uh it has uh i can't remember the guy's name but he's one of the one of the main characters from apocalypse now uh like this maybe he's the surfer or the chef i can't remember yeah but, i know who you're talking he's in a lot of stuff like but uh he, well, yeah. so he plays he plays this girl's dad, and then the actress playing her mom is the play the actress who played the Playboy Bunny that he's hooking up with in the Playboy Bunny scene in Apocalypse uh-huh. Now. <laughs> so it's just like that is so like such a weird detail to yeah. to go to that those lengths to like cast them as a couple, but mm. uh, you should I, cast I, them as your parents. Yes, I would love <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, she's just so so cute, and he's great. Uh, they're both like both of Lionel and Paquita are like one of my favorite couples. Yeah, people, someone should write fan fiction about them. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I don't. Like it. You should show. I thought this that's what we're going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. Oh, I should bizarre. show this at a wedding. Yeah, you're, you know, maybe you're right. <laughs> Got a load of the mother of the groom. Yeah, right. exactly, and. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, the wedding cake could be just like this gory, bloody, I don't know. Just a bowl of custard with a little red. Just a little bit of red. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, has anyone else got anything they want to add about this film before we start wrapping up? I don't think so. I think I've I said every weird little thing that I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's it's such a in it's such a fun ride. You know, you kind of forget that that it's a horror film in a way, and yeah. probably that's what you know he was going for is the it's just a blast, and not at all what I was expecting. 
Yeah. It's an adventure film, which is what he yeah. is known for. Specializes for, yeah. Mm-hmm. I will yeah, say this. Sure. Um, when Peter Jackson was accepting the Best Picture Oscar, mm. he cracks a joke that says something like, uh, the Academy overlooked um, bad taste and meet the feebles, probably rightfully so, or something. So, yeah. Something like that. The, the Academy were right to overlook bad taste and meet the feebles. He doesn't say anything about brain dead or dead alive. <laughs> mm. So maybe yeah. there's something there that his his faith in this film, like you were saying, uh, Brandon, in this uh, behind the scenes, whatever, he believed yeah. in this film. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he does think that this film should have gotten some Oscar recognition. I don't it, know. It but, is definitely yeah. art. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about his trajectory as well, I know that the first film took a while to kind of get going uh-huh. and it was kind of more you know cooking the masks in his mother's oven and stuff like that and then meet the feebles was am i right in thinking that it wasn't exactly what he wanted to do uh yeah i i don't know too much about the production of meet the feebles i think it was like just gonna be like a like a 30 minute like tv special Mm, mm. but then they got like extra money from japanese investors and so then it became a feature film um I, I really don't know a whole lot about how what his feelings on that movie are. It is yeah. just as impressive as this, though, because it's all puppets and yeah. uh, seeing what they are able to accomplish by doing it with all puppets when they don't have the money that a Jim Henson workshop has yeah. Yeah. is very, very impressive if you can handle the the subject matter. <laughs> But this is like a true auteur. This is yeah, him yeah. like this, finally like doing what he wants on the budget that yeah. he's got, you know. This does strike me as probably that like first, like he he perfected it, what he wanted. Yeah. Which is yeah. also maybe why he moves away from the splatter genre after this. Mm. You know, yeah. his he made like a some sort of a faux documentary between this and um uh what's the uh or maybe it was after heavenly creatures but i mean heavenly creatures is such a big departure from this you know and yeah. that's the trajectory and then the frighteners even though it's still horror comedy it's it's a studio movie it's very still very different territory so yeah um well i yeah. mean it's like you i mean once you create the greatest like splatter horror film yeah ever <laughs> like you can't you top don't need it. To, there is yeah, no you know. topping it. There's right. there's like yeah. that's why I said it's like the zombie movie to end all zombie movies. Like, yeah. why would you ever need to make another zombie movie after this? Coming from someone who wrote his own zombie screenplay and is desperately trying to get that made, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but also I would like to shout out the score. I really like the music in this film. Yeah, uh, especially like the main love theme between Paquita and uh, Lionel. Um, yeah. It's really sweet. It's like music I would just listen to, yeah. you know, yeah. on my own. It's interesting that you point that out because I do not remember any of the music. I like, oh. I think I was, which is probably what you want, you know, sometimes with a film is like you don't want to be like, oh, there's the music, you know. Right. Um, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll I, have to... I, I have watched it. Many a lot. Times, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Is... I'll have to pay attention to that the next time I watch it, which I will return to this film again. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Same here. Um, 
Perfect. Well, this is the part where normally Brandon and I would guess what we each rated it on Letterboxd. Um, but as we have a special guest, Zach is going to do the honors. He is going to guess what Brandon and I rated this film. Um, as Brandon said last week, I have a very particular rating system. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows what I rated <laughs> Okay, so I, Lewis, I know you didn't rate it a five because you okay. don't do that. Oh, 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 now, now I'm questioning my, my <laughs> confidence. I'm going to say, Lewis, I'm going to say you rated it a four. And uh, Brandon, I'm going to say you rated it a four and a half. All right. <laughs> I did rate it a four. Yeah, I did rate yeah. it a four and a half. Wow. wow. Would you like listen to the show or something? <laughs> this is always how it goes. <laughs> Lewis's I'm... grade will probably go up the more he watches it. Yes. And yours might too, Brandon, but yeah, I, I don't know how, Brandon, I don't know how um, liberal you are uh, throwing out five-star film, five stars on a first viewing, so. Yeah. I do it sometimes. Yeah. This one, I I want to give it five stars so mm-hmm. badly that I'm sure I will the next time I watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's literally the fact that, like, I still have, like, a little bit of nausea leftover from watching the film which is like to the film's credit i think so i probably should give it five stars just for that fact but i like could not sleep last night after i watched the film i was like tossing and turning yeah like thinking about like intestinal zombies and uh, (laughs) babies ripping heads through and yeah like and i like struggle with like uh motion sickness and stuff too so it's like when that like nausea hits me it's just like i start like sweating and i'm like oh god like (laughs) wow and and it's it's surprising that this film did that because i think i feel like i'm so desensitized to Mm -hmm. to, like gore and violence that like i can't believe like i i knew that this like the reputation this film had but it still like blows my mind that it was able to just like seep into my skin that's good yeah, yeah, that's it, great. It, it did its job. That should be your review there on Letterbox. Would have given it five, but had intense nausea. Well, good job, Zach. Yeah, like yeah, holy we shit. are predictable. <laughs> <laughs> you got us. I, I was worried about Lewis. I, I'm, I was like, Brandon gave this four and a half. Lewis, I was like, well, not so sure, but we're gonna yeah. go with four. Yeah, it was a good guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. Well, now that we've finished talking about all things Dead Alive hash, slash Brain Dead, Brandon, are you going to reveal what everyone is going to be watching for next week? I am going to do that, Lewis. Um, so this is our horror movie month, or uh, I don't know, what are we calling this month? Darnish Horror Month. <laughs> Darnish Horror Month. Darnish? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, on the last episode, we got into some pretty weird places. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought maybe it was like an English thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, maybe. <laughs> the bonds of darn. It is now. <laughs> um. So this film is, uh, you know, in in the theme of the Darnish Horror Month. Uh, 
Uh, it's a film from 1982, directed by the legendary George A. Romero. Um, I think I maybe saw parts of this film as a child. I'm not really sure. I'm really interested to watch it again to see if any like weird memories come back to me or nightmares. Uh, but it is Creep Show. Oh, fantastic! From 1982. Yeah, is that like an anthology horror film? Am I right in thinking? I it is it. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know anything about it. Awesome! It it the poster is, looks it's, badass. It's yeah. not like uh, it's not like uh, now they do anthologies where they have different directors and writers mm. make each one. This was the Creep Show was just directed by the whole thing's directed by George A. Romero. And I think Stephen King wrote the whole thing too. So, oh, brilliant! Yeah. Nice, but it is an anthology. Love Stephen King. That's fantastic. Great pick, Brandon, and one that again I might not have got round to. So thank you for picking it up um, and you suggesting it. <laughs> um, before we go to the outro and wrap the whole show up, Zach, thank you so much thank for picking for this film, me. coming on, and just you know enlightening us with your conversation. Yes, um, every time you, you're on the pod. It just gets better and better. It's a so. pleasure to join you guys. We love Thank you, you man. so much again. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you're a honorary preacher of the film church. <laughs> Ordained. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> but that does bring us to the end of the show. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio. And you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Salmon Scope, and I am at Walker Lewis 3007. Um, you can keep up with what we've been watching. Um, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. Um, you can hear us talk about Morbius. You can hear us talk about um, loads of other stuff. Dress to Kill um, with our friends Zach. Loads and loads and loads. Um, and if you want to leave us a rating review, we would love it. So please do. Um, but all that's left to say, Brendan, your mother ate my dog. Not all of it. (laughs) Say your film church prayers. See you next week. Amen. Amen. Amen.